Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Hey guys, <laughs> it's so great to be here. It's been so fun already, and um, we're really excited. So thanks for having us. Um, so how many of you would like any kind of breakthrough in your life? Yeah. So God, um, this year in November, I had a dream, and um, in the dream I was pregnant, and um, by the way, I'm not like going to have a baby, just to let you guys know, so anyway, I'm over that thing. Um, It's called menopause. Um, I'm embracing it. I'm super excited. I'm 49. I'm going to be 50 next year. I'm super excited to get old. Super excited. Why not? The older you get, the closer to Jesus. I mean, not going to heaven, but the, the more you look like Jesus, right? Because every day walking with him, we, be, we get transformed into his likeness. Seriously. Wow. It's awesome. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. That was the Holy Spirit. I, don't, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. All right. So I had this dream that I was pregnant and... Um, I, I was telling, I, first I told my mom, I was with my mom and I said, mom, I'm doing three days, but I don't have any diapers. I don't have a crib and I don't have any clothes. And then she's just like, like not, not doing what you would normally do, right? Like you're doing three days and someone's not going to look at you like that. They're going to think you're crazy, right? Like, what, why didn't you prepare? Anyway, then the next scene is, and I was calm too. I was really happy and calm. The next scene is I'm in a, in a, in, with telling a friend from our church in Kuwait, and I told her, hey, I'm um, three days, pre- sorry, the Holy Spirit is, is doing that like lightning thing through me right now. Um, if it's awkward for you, it's awkward for me too. So um, just want you to know that. Um, okay, so um, three days, yes. Okay, telling my friend, I'm doing three days. So I don't have any, cri- I don't have a crib, I don't have any clothes, I don't have any, f- whatever, diapers, right? <laughs> it's the same thing every time. And um, my friend was just like looking at me. And again, I'm happy. In real life, I would not be that happy. <laughs> I'm not that kind of kickback person. I mean, I, I can be chill, but that, with, regarding that, I wouldn't have been. So anyway, it's just really funny. The next one I'm seeing, I see a stranger. And um, she has a baby. And I tell her, um, I am, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm doing three days. I'm about to have a baby. And I'm super excited. Um, about having this, you know, I'm super excited. And the woman's just, you know, again, looking at me. And um, so when I woke up, I'm like, okay, I know when you're pregnant and in a dream, you know, and you're going to have a baby, it's good. Like it's something new. So I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what new thing is coming. Like I'm super excited, you know, and Dave and I are walking. I'm like talking a mile in a minute. He's just like, I'm like, who do you think it is, Dave? Do you think it's this? Do you think it's this? Okay. I'd rather have a visitation from Jesus, but what if it's like, I'm trying to dream, like what would it be? But I want everyone to experience. So I want something, maybe it'd be the glory come down. I mean, I'm just like very funny chipmunk person, you know, when I get hyper, which might be now. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that anyway, I feel really excited right now about the Lord and this message and what God is saying. And I just want you to encourage you guys today with the stories and what God is doing and, and breakthrough. And we don't have to stay stuck. And we don't have to stay hopeless. That God is so good and so outrageously loving. Um, so after that dream, I woke up. And so, as I said, I was, you know, dreaming and what could it be? And then when I went to write it down and really pray through it with the Lord, um, I heard him say, I'm answering every prayer you've ever prayed. And I was like, what? And I just, 
wept and wept and wept and wept for hours and hours and hours. And as I had my eyes closed, um, I, I was just following the Holy Spirit, like, and just following every, and I was literally seeing, I mean, probably not every single person, but for hours, I was just like this, just watching, just with my eyes closed, seeing every person I'd ever prayed for. And he was like saying, answering that, 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 I mean, everything, every situation, every person. And I was like, oh my goodness, like it's a new season. It's a new day. Um, and it's not just like for me, like, oh, cause she lives in the Middle East and you know, she's doing that, but that's why she gets this. No, it's for everyone. It's like, it's a breakthrough, you know, worldwide, you know, something, God, something is, God's doing something. He's coming, he's working. We're, it's not the same old, same old. Like when you get up in the morning, even though it seems like the same old, same old, it's not the same old, same old. He's like saying from Isaiah 43, you know, the former things are gone. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I know we've been quoting that for like 50 years. Well, maybe not 50, but anyway, it seems like every other day someone's quoting that, but I really feel, you know, from, from the dream and the encounters and what we're seeing even in the Middle East, um, that, that God is on the move. He's doing something new. It's almost like he's like, I got to do this. This is not, it's like, like too many people are stuck. Too many things are, you know, just hard situations where I was sitting with the Lord in, in like October and I was like, Lord, okay. I know you're faithful. I know you're good. But so many people I know need breakthrough, like very difficult situations. What's going on? Like, give me keys and show me. And, you know, and then I had this dream. And basically what he was saying was, he told me, now just declare, thank you for the breakthrough. He's like, you don't have to war. You don't have to ask for keys. I'm really big into that. What are the keys? How can I, I, I want to see every single person walking in their destiny, right? And this is my passion. This is my passion for my friends in Kuwait. This is my, my passion for every Christian I meet or non-Christian. I want them to see, I want to see them walking in their destiny. This is like my heart's cry. And so, you know, just, just asking the Lord. And all he said was, when you think of those situations that are so stuck, he said, and I just, give, you know, do this too. It's user-friendly. You say, thank you for the breakthrough. Because then you're standing in faith. He said he's going to do it. I realized I had the encounter, which always helps stand in faith. So, um, but I'm just praying that at the end we can pray that, that, um, that you will believe it. You know, that you will say, thank you for the breakthrough. And he said to me, this is a massive encounter. I don't have all these all the time. So it's not like this happens every day, but he said to me, um, things, some situations will get worse you know, but stand. Some will be immediate. And there was, there was some that were just with friends of mine, their circumstances changed. And I was like, whoa, there it was. And then, you know, and, and the kind of breakthrough, like, you know, Elijah said, you know, I see the cloud, the size of man's hand. When he'd been praying for rain, there'd been a drought, right? He said, that's what it's going to look like. So don't go. It's only a size of a man's hand. Really, Lord? We thought we prayed for rain. Like he doesn't want that attitude. He wants that even if you see it in seed form, like a little baby or like a tiny, tiny cloud that you can barely see, you just say, thank you, Lord, for the breakthrough. Thank you. We celebrate. We celebrate that tiny, tiny move, you know, and because we live, you know, in the Middle East and revival, at least in the Arabian Gulf has not happened yet. We're used to one. It's a good thing about living over there. We're used to celebrating uh, tiny things, right? Because, well, tiny to you, um, they would seem tiny to you, like, um, we, we meet on a Friday night and worship. And um, one of the, the women that had become, a, um, she was from a Muslim background, became a believer. She brought a girl. And um, I was like, who's, um, who's that? 
You know, she looked Arab, so I was, a little, I was kind of excited. Uh, by the way, so there's 2 million Kuwaitis, but we only know of 20 that are believers. 20 that are from Muslim background, right? So when you see one or you see one that's even slightly interested, you get really, really, really excited, right? Right? Like here, maybe you're like, ah, one, what's the big deal? You know, but no, no, this is gigantic. So I was like, um, who is that? And she's like, oh, she's a Kuwaiti. Um, she was a Muslim and she became a Christian. I'm like, and she's in my house. Like she's in my church right now. I mean, our church is like 30 people. I'm like, you know, like so excited. It's unbelievable. Like if there's only 20 that I know of, and I don't even like, and they don't even all meet together. So it's maybe a group of 10 that meet together and you're meeting one right in front of you. I mean, I felt like I hit the jackpot at Las Vegas. You know, I was just like, she's staring, she's standing in front of me and she's Kuwaiti. And so I was like, well, you know, like acting all calm, of course. So how did you come to the Lord? You know? And she's like, um, oh, well, these two other, there, she's a Bedouin. These two other Bedouin women led me to the Lord. I'm like, and how are they Christians? I was like, <laughs> wait, I just thought there was one. And she's telling me that, that, that there's two more. Yeah, they're sisters and they just, and then actually I just led my sister to the Lord. Forgot to say that last service. I just led my, my sister to the Lord. And then, and they're all Bedouins. Like Bedouin tribes are the most unreached people, right? So they're, they're, they're living way out. They're not, I mean, it's just amazing, amazing. So I'm sitting there like, oh my goodness, there's, there's a, there's one right in front of me, you know, and, and these, these people are so amazing. These people that come from the Muslim background, because they, when they come to Christ, they have to count the cost because the cost is huge. Isn't it interesting when the cost isn't very huge, we don't count it, but we need to, even in America, it's getting there's persecution starting though, aren't, isn't there now here in America? You're seeing it and people, you're, you're realizing who, like who's afraid to, to stand and be and, and viewed as being hated? Who's afraid of that? That's kind of a big thing now, isn't it? To be called a hater, even though you're not a hater, like you love people. You just want to stand on God's word, but you're called a hater, right? That's the kind of persecution we're experiencing or people can lose their jobs. So it's getting real here. Again, though, in the Middle East, they're, they're, they're counting the cost of life and death. It's not, it's not made up. It's true that people ha- realize, okay, if I become a Christian, I could die. I could lose my family. I could lose my house. I could lose my job. And yes, I've known people in every situation that I'm mentioning that have done that. There was one woman I had the privilege of getting to know. And um, she would come to my house. She would have to, to leave her. She, wasn't, um, she was divorced, so she was living with her mom, who was a, like a, the opposite of us, like a, a, a missionary to... She was a Muslim missionary, right? So she's trying to <laughs> lead people to Islam, to their religion. And so that's the house she's living in, and she'd become a believer. So she would sneak over, because she was under a house arrest when they found out that she was a Christian. House arrest means you're watched all the time. You're followed by secret police. Yes, our phones are tapped. Yes, our emails are tapped. Yes, we have no, we have no privacy and no rights, okay? So, yeah, just think about that when you guys are fighting over that here. You guys have a lot of rights, okay? Literally, our, our, our phones were tapped in Kuwait, uh, Qatar, and we, had, we were kicked out. Um, they will listen on your conversations. They will know everything. And if you have nothing to hide, that's okay. We have a slight something to hide. But anyway, we'll go on to that, which is being, it's illegal to do what we're doing in Kuwait. But... Um, I'm just realizing this is all, anyway, okay. 
All right, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just gonna keep speaking because um, I realize this is being recorded. Um, I'm on a tangent. <laughs> okay, so t- uh, this woman would come to my house. <laughs> this woman would come to my house and we'd pray and study the word every week. And um, it was absolutely incredible just to see her faith. Like she was in court because when, when a, a Muslim becomes a Christian, they literally, not, not just like a, like a folktale, they literally think you're crazy. Like, okay, she must have gone insane. That's, that's how, literally, like she must have gone insane. So we're going to take her to court because she has a child. And so her mom took her to court, say, we deem her insane and we're going to take her daughter from her. So my friend said, okay, I'm just going to live at my mom's house then. That's how she ended up there. I'm going to live at my mom's house so they can't take my daughter away from me. So then I'm, I'm back here and I contact her. I said, how are things going? And she said, um, my family poisoned me, and thank God he saved my life. I was rushed to the hospital, and now I'm in Australia. She had to leave her daughter. She wasn't allowed to take her. She did not recant. She did not say, all she had to say was, okay, I'll be a Muslim again. That's all she had to say. Do we know that kind of faith? Like, do we know And that's just one. That's just one I'm telling you about. That all they have to say is, okay, forget it, forget it. Okay, I'm a Muslim. And just at night say, Lord, forgive me. I'm I'm really a Christian now. Like, they're not doing that. They're, They're standing. They're like, I will never go back to Islam. I will never. I will only stay with Jesus. You know, so um, the cool thing was about that story to give a little hope, not leave it on such a bummer note, um, is that she can talk to her daughter a lot on the phone. Um, She still hasn't seen her and it's been four years. Yeah. Um, But before she left, she led, they have a a lot of maids. Some of them are very wealthy, so they have a lot of maids. And so she led them all to the Lord, all the maids. And so they would have little worship services in the morning when the mom went off to mosque and stuff. And, um, And they would worship and they would hear from God and they would, and so her daughter had fellowship, which is amazing, you know, and there's another, there's another Muslim I know that became a Christian and, um, and she can, she sees her every once in a while. I just found that out. Um, so that's really good news. She can see the daughter and check on her and see how she's doing, but God gives grace. You know, this little girl, she also, um, when she, when she was hearing her mom being threatened by the uncle, um, tomorrow, um, like she heard the uncle say this tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. So the woman calls me and she's like, uh, my uncle just told me he's going to kill me tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, um, uh, um, like she's telling me, I'm like, and you know, I wanted, I wanted to just start weeping and crying and, you know, just lay on the ground and just lose it. Like, I was like, this is too hard. (laughs) Like, this is a little bit too hard. You know, when I can't relate with that, I grew up here, you know, I I can't relate with that. And so all of a sudden I realized I just kind of (gasps) went, okay. I got to be there for her. I've got I've got to be able to stand. I've got to be able to I've got to be able to stand and believe that the Bible is true even, you know, it's it's for everyone. Like I can encourage her even though I've never been in that situation and I never even had to count the cost like that. But I had to just stand and say, "Taiba, we're going to we're going to no, we're not standing for this. I'm praying right now. You're he's not going to kill you. It's going to, you know, whatever. Just stood with her, you know? And um and sure enough, she did not, you know, like I said, she was, she, she left the country and, and she escaped. But when her daughter heard that, um, 
she went, ran into the bathroom because she was very scared. And um, she saw like a, a, a round light come in the window and then, and then land on her hand. And then, and then Jesus said, um, your mom's not going to die. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I mean, these are, this isn't in a book. You know, this is a story I know. This is a woman I know. And I know her daughter. You know, I know them. This isn't made up. Um, but you know how God's grace, he gives grace in those situations. And, you know, as I've been thinking about this love that, that these, I'm going to call them, they're called Muslim Background Believers, MBB. It's an acronym we use. So just, that's the new acronym you're going to know, MBB, Muslim Background Believers. So, um, the love that they experience, the, the John 15, you know, abide in my love, you know, it's for everyone. It's, it's not just, oh, the Muslims get, yeah, probably they get extra grace in those situations. But that same love that he has for them, um, he has for you. And, and which means maybe some of your circumstances are as difficult as some of these MBBs. But if they're not, I just want to tell you to have faith and stand that even when it's so difficult and you think, I can't make it another day, and I don't want to make it another day, you can ask that for that love. Okay, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to remain in you from John 15, Father, because you said you're inviting, you're inviting everyone into the same love, John 15, 9, the same love the Father has for Jesus. And Jesus has for the Father, the, trini- the triune love is the same love he has for you. It's, it's in John 15. Read it. See it. Believe it. Stand on it. Because that is what's available for everyone. It's, it's the same love. He doesn't have dials and levels and, and, and temperatures of love. It's all 100%. So he has 100% love for you. He has 100% level for you, love for you. It, it doesn't dial down because it's for a human. You know, it, it's the same love. I mean, if you just stay on that verse, the same way the Father loves Jesus, he loves you. The same way. That's mind-boggling. And I'm, I'm in a season where I'm just waking up the morning and I'm like, I'm focused on the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. I'm obsessed with this right now because Jesus is obsessed with it, right? That... that that they're inviting, they're, uh, the Holy, the Trinity is inviting us in to this love. It's not like an elite love thing, you know? It's, it's not, it's, it's, you're invited into the triune love circle. There's, there's no, it, it's for everyone. So, you know, when you're, as we're waiting for the breakthrough, we can have everything. We don't have to wait for the breakthrough to feel that joy, ah, finally, to feel that peace, to feel totally loved and accepted. We can have it now, right now, right? Because if we had to wait, wow, that would really suck for a lot of people, right? Oh, you can't get the joy till you get your breakthrough. You can't get the joy till you get healed. You can't get the breakthrough till you get married or I wasn't going to divorce. I mean, never mind. Anyway, you can't get the breakthrough until your marriage is amazing. You know, you can't get that joy until you have the most amazing communication with your spouse or something. No, you can have it all now. Because in John 15, I'm not making it up. The Bible is your anchor. The Bible is your truth. Stay in it. Get obsessed with it. Live it. Eat it. Breathe it. Again, in John 15, Jesus says, let my words live in you. You know, let my words 
be in you and abide in me. So we, in order to abide, we need to be in, in the word, in it and, and letting it become every fiber of our being and, and that we think about it. And I was thinking about this and, and I, I don't think I'm going to, you know, how you get strange thoughts like, I don't think I'm going to end up in prison one day because that's not really a risk for us. But I feel like God wants me to memorize the word as if I was going to be in prison and I had no word. You know, what if you didn't have your Bible? You remember, you'd remember worship songs, right? That would be amazing. But I've heard stories of, of people in prison and then they would just, and the Holy Spirit would remind them, but I'm thinking, I want to know this word so well that when I'm walking, when I'm eating, when I'm praying, when I'm, when I'm driving, that I'm thinking about the word and it's going and washing me and transforming the way I'm thinking so that when I ask, it says, ask anything in my name and you will receive it. He actually didn't say when, by the way. That, I just noticed that. He says, you will, but it's, we need to have the word, right? We need to let the word live powerfully within us. In John 15, again, it's my um, passage for the last two months. Just let it live powerfully in you and be transformed by it. You know, when something is, um, this, this first commandment, when Jesus said, this is my first commandment, that means it's his number one. Like with your boss or someone tells you, this is the most important thing you need to remember. You don't think, <laughs> I'll think about it every other day or maybe every month. Nah, you know, it's your boss. It's like someone important, right? You're not going to discredit that. You're going to focus on that. This is, the first, this is the first commandment. Like the only one I'm telling you right now. This is it. Don't you think we should be looking at it and focusing on it and obsessed with it? That's what, that's what we need to be. Just, I was thinking about this with um, The Greatest Showman. Did you guys see The Greatest Showman? That was amazing, huh? So talk about someone obsessed, right? Obsessed with being successful, obsessed with having this, this circus. And he'd wake up, he'd think about it, all his money would go into it, every risk. He risked his life, he risked his marriage, which was unfortunate. He risked everything for the circus, right? But that's when someone has a number one dream, the number one focus on their, on their mind, on their heart, on everything that they do, everything that they think about, everything that they, they think, you know, they live is this. That's how God, the God's love should be for us. You can have things that you do, like your, your calling, your, your work, your, that's great. But our number one calling is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as ourselves right? That's our number one, should be our number one dream and our number one prayer. So how do you know if it is? Like maybe people give the religious answer like, yeah, yeah, that's mine. That's mine. Well, this, the Lord showed me this and I was listening to Mike Bickle. He gives me a lot of, he's awesome. Love getting a lot of insights from him. But this is how you tell what is the thing that you pray about most of the time. When you wake up in the morning, what are you praying about? When you wake up in the night, what are you praying about? Me, I was praying about my kids and my church and revival in the Middle East. That was the majority of the thing all throughout the day I was praying. And that's good to pray about, but that was my majority, which means that is my first. And so I started asking God for grace because I would keep forgetting, oh, I just went five hours and I didn't even talk about the love of God with you, love. Love of God with you, Lord. And so I just asked him for grace. Lord, let me remember this. Let me, you know, give me the, grace is supernatural help. So I ask for it a lot. It's free refills. It's constant. I highly recommend it. Ask for grace a lot. He said that to me. My people, I feel like he was saying, my people don't ask for help enough. 
They try to do this American thing. I can do this on my own. I'm really independent. I'm really strong. But yet, God wants us to be the opposite. He wants us to be that super needy to God, not anyone else, to God, to Him. Super needy, asking a lot of questions, processing everything with Him. He wants that. He longs for that, you know? So I just started asking Him for grace. Can you give me the grace to remember to focus on the first commandment, right? So I'd wake up and I'd be like, Oh, Lord, da, 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 something about my family. And then I'm like, oh, whoops. Okay, sorry, Lord. Okay, I'm back on the first commandment. Lord, I want to love you. How do I love you today? Show me how to love you. And it's, it's not an emotional thing. Like when I, you know, I don't know when I used to think this, but I would just sit there and like, feel my love, Lord. Feel it. Do you feel it? You know, like this thing, you know, it's so ridiculous. But anyway, um, you know, but we show God that we love him by obeying him which means that's super exciting. So it's not just obeying like, I'm doing the Ten Commandments, okay. No, it's like, it's like right then when I said, okay, God, help me love you more. Then right then he goes, you just show me you love me, right? Or, okay, I just decided to pray for somebody out and about, even though I was scared. I saw them limping and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? And then he's like, that's loving me. Or whatever it is in your family, by serving your family or serving in church, there's all these different ways of loving him. Choosing Maybe not to watch something. Decide, you know what? I'm not going to watch that show anymore. That doesn't bring life to me. Or I'm not going to spend that much time on the internet because I could actually give more time to God. That's saying, I love you. That's obeying him. That's, that's, there's so many ways we can obey him and love him at the same time. So then I started this treasure hunt of how many different things can I do to show God I love him? You know, it's so exciting when you're like, oh, I just loved him. I just loved him. I just loved him. I just loved him. You know, it's so cool because he's given us everything everything, and then offered us everything. He's given us everything. And so when we get the opportunity just to love him, it's such a privilege, such a privilege. Um, so another thing, so as, as God was just speaking to me about this, like the, the John 15 love, that we're invited into this, this amazing triune love, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit you embrace this swirl of God's love that anytime, you know, you wake up and you feel down, you're like, it's a choice. I'm not saying it's always an emotion, an encounter, but it's a choice. I choose. I choose to believe right now that I'm, I'm abiding in you, Lord. I'm focused on you right now. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you accept me. Thank you that you're for me. You've just used the word to talk to him, you know, and, and you'll encourage, it'll encourage yourself right out of that bad, that bad mood, you know, that what God was speaking to me is that if we don't know his love, if we don't really get to know this love, then we won't be able to love others because we're going to be constantly focused on ourselves and discouraged and discouragement means, discouragement means you're just focused on yourself. I love that easy phrase from Dan Moeller that, you know, you're not as good as put in the blank when you wake up. If my marriage is okay, if my marriage is great, then I'm great. Yeah? If my son and daughter are doing awesome in the Lord, I'm great. If my finances aren't good, I'm not. You know, it's like we're not defined by how we wake up. The thing that's on our mind the most that we wake up in the morning and struggle with, that is not supposed to define you, your well-being or your mood. You know, it's this abiding. It's like forcing myself. I choose, even though every emotion around me and circumstance around me is so difficult, I choose, Lord, that I'm abiding in you. I have everything. I have everything I need. And in that, he said, Jesus said, 
He tells all about that abiding in me and you and me and I and you. I love that whole thing. And then he said, I told you these things. Again, this is all John 15. I told you these things so that my joy would be in you and it would be full. Can you imagine the joy of Jesus? He told you this. He told you (laughs) that he's welcomed you in this triune love. And he's expecting like joy. He's like, so now you're going to be excited, right? You guys aren't smiling right now. (laughs) You are perfectly loved like no one else can love you. No one on this planet will love you like, like Jesus. Everyone will disappoint me. Let me just, let me just tell you that. Every single person in your life will disappoint you severely. Okay, we settled? Okay. Don't be surprised don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if people are rude to you, cut you off, your children tell you things you never thought you'd hear. Um, been through that. You know, whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have to be able to stand in the truth. And at times the truth is just, I choose it. I choose to stand because that's what these Muslims have to do. They've been so wrapped in God's love and that's how they're able to, that's how they're able to, you know, endure persecution, right? But, then they have to choose, like, I choose to believe. I choose to stand in this. I choose to stay with Jesus no matter what. So if I'm encouraging them, how much more I need to do it? I'm their mentor. Can you imagine? People that have laid down their lives have been beaten. Everything been taken. Like I said, their children, their money, their jobs, their, their, I mean, their lives threaten all the time. And they're asking me to mentor them. I better step it up, right? I better believe this word. This is your anchor. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. We have to stand on it. Our truth is not what the television says. Our truth is not what internet says. Our truth is Jesus. We have to believe that truth. It's so important. So what what we, as we, as we just embrace and get to know, and God, just show me, give me revelation of your love. Show me that. And I want to walk in that joy. I have everything. I'm not feeling it right now, but I, I'm, I'm standing in it until my, my emotions kind of join what's in my head. And he's so faithful to do that. So when we, can, when we get that, then we can love others, right? Because this is what he said. Like, when we love others, we're also showing him that we love him because we're obeying him. When we love others. So being filled with this love, this abiding love, this I and you and you and me, the tri- triune love is absolutely amazing. That then fruitfulness will just burst from us. It's a guarantee. It said fruit, you will bear abundant fruit. You will bear much fruit, which fruit is in loving people, in standing in joy, in not just souls. I used to think it was just souls before I kind of knew about the love of the Father and all that. Yes, will people get saved? Yes. But fruit, as you abide, fruit happens. So you will love others. You know, you will want, you you will pour out your lives for others. Last night, I, I, before I went to sleep, I asked God for a dream, you know, you want to say anything tomorrow? I was so excited. And um, so I had a dream and in it, there was, everybody was waiting, but there, there was like waiting for a wedding banquet, right? And there were homeless people there. There were addicts. There were some Christians worshiping. There was like the pretty, the, the, the just kind of from Luke 14, wait, that's sorry, Luke 14. Luke 14, when, when, the king, when the king had a banquet and he was like, okay, go, go tell everybody I'm ready. Go tell everybody. And then the rich people or the good looking people and the popular people, they were like, oh, I have to, uh, you know, I have this land I got to take care of or, oh, I got to get married or, oh, I got to take care of my father, whatever it was. 
Can you imagine the king is hosting a huge banquet? He's like, Send, go out and get them. And so he's saying, he's saying, okay, now go out in the highways and the byways. And that's the sentence I got when I woke up. Go out in the highways and the byways and get them. And get them and bring them in. Bring every shape, every size, every, every look, everything. Bring them in. Bring them in. It's a season. It's a season of harvest. It's a season to do that now. And I just feel like God was saying, that's this season now. That's this season. Bring them in. Bring them in. Invite them. Invite them. It's a free banquet. Everyone can come. Everyone is accepted. Everyone is loved. Everyone is welcome in. It's not like you come in and you're like, okay, just the three of us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you guys are out there. Like you can get close, but not in. No, he's like fully dive in. Every single person that's invited, fully dive in, fully dive into this. And so from the dream, that's what I got. He said, love one another deeply. Because I've been reading John 15 a lot. So you know, when you read something a lot, then the Holy Spirit will bring you back to your remembrance and you'll be able to think about it and, and probably dream about it. So he was like, love, I can just feel his heart. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. And even this one man came, came up to me and his face was caved in, very, very deformed in the dream. And he was like, can I be a groomsman? And I was like, oh, I, 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 would, I pray I wouldn't do this in real life. But I was like, oh, you know, you're kind of, I was thinking in my heart, like you're kind of alarming to look at. You know, you're really disturbing. And, but yet, God, I mean, can you imagine a groomsman? Like, it's like everybody. Everybody is welcome. Everyone can be a groomsman or a bridesmaid in the, bank, in the wedding banquet of the Lord that he wants everyone welcome. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter your job or your socioeconomic or, or your background or your, whether you had parents or you didn't or you had bad ones or you didn't. It doesn't matter. It's like God's just saying, invite him, invite him, invite him. So I feel like it's a, a season of an invitation. But if we're not whole in God's love, we're gonna wake up just thinking of being discouraged. You know, just thinking about our stuff. And, you know, when I do, when I get discouraged or I'm thinking about my stuff or my problems or whatever, all of a sudden, your heart shuts off. Doesn't it? And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, I hate that feeling. I hate, I hate that kind of being dull and you're just kind of so discouraged that please don't no one, please no one talk to me. Please no one approach me. I just... I can't, so then we can't invite. Like, it's like God's like, get healthy, know my love, know my joy, be explosive about my joy. Because he said, I told you that you're perfectly loved so that you'd be actually having a party every day because you can't believe you're involved, you're in the swirl of the Holy Trinity love. The same love the Father has for the Son, the Son has the Father is for you. The same love, John 15, nine, the same love, the same love. There is no lack. You can't say, I, I, I don't believe it. If you believe the, that, she, that this is the word of God, you have to believe it. And if you don't believe it, ask God for help to believe it. You have to ask him for help. Lord, help me love you. Help, like I said, ask for help a lot. Help me love you. Help me stand. Help me believe these things that are really here, but not here. Help me live it. Help this, you know, if, if, the, father, if the love is of the Father and the Holy Spirit and the, Jesus are in me, out of, out of me will flow will flow fruit. We're plugged into the source and the, the fruit will flow out. And so it's a win-win situation. No matter what you're going through, you can experience the love of the Trinity abiding in him, constantly strengthened and supported and loved, and you can have his joy while you wait for the breakthrough. What could be better than that? While you wait, you can have be fully loved, fully liked, fully accepted, fully embraced. You have no lack when you are fully embraced in the joy of the Lord. So just practical things. 
is that, like I said, I wake up in the morning and I let, Lord, give me the grace to remember to ask you to abide in your love. Give me the grace to believe it, to live it. And then choosing, choosing to stay in it. Not like that person offended me or they didn't include me or they didn't invite me or they're not very nice or they didn't post about me or they didn't put me up front. Like, just leave all that. Just leave all that. You know, because that's all self-focused. And then we can't, we can't enter into the, the longing and the yearning of Jesus Christ who's like, invite them, invite them, invite them, invite them when we're focused on ourselves. So I just encourage you, just all throughout the day, just like, Lord, remind me. I want to focus on the first commandment and then just start thinking of it and ask him when you, when you realize you've gone five hours and you haven't just like, Lord, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm back on the first commandment train again. You know, I'm going to love and love and love and love and love. I'm going to, I'm going to have you come up one second. So one, um, one thing that I, that, that happened to me that in the fall after I had this encounter, you know, my husband is like the natural evangelist, can go up to, you know, a crowd of 20 and preach the gospel and this, like so much courage. And, and I would have been more like a chicken, you know, like when he started getting words of knowledge and we'd be in a restaurant, this is a while ago, 15 years ago, I'd be like, please don't, please, can we just take a break? Can we not, can we not do it? Like, I'm feeling nauseous. I would feel nauseous when he got a word of knowledge for the waitress. And I'd be like, why does he always have to do these crazy things, you know? And I was just when we were getting the Holy Spirit and, and getting to know, um, you know, Randy Clark and, and how to get words of knowledge and stuff. And so bit by bit, it wasn't, it definitely was been a long road. Yes, long road of being over, um, what do you call that, a recovering chicken? Um, yes, yes, I am. Um, and so, but I would still step out in faith, you know, bit by bit, I, I, the nausea left, but it was still super uncomfortable. Then we'd have like Bethel team comes, Bethel teams come, and we were kind of known as the treasure hunting people in Kuwait. So they're like, okay, Natalie, you're going to lead a group. What? Oh my gosh. But inside I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You guys want to go to the mall and pray for the sick? Oh no. I have to lead it. I don't even like it. You know, I remember one time this new girl came and she was like totally on. She got within two weeks, she started, you know, words of knowledge. Like she could feel people's pain. She, excuse me. Do you have a pain on your shoulder? Yeah. They get healed. She'd been in our group two weeks. And she's like, I love this. Can we go out on Thursday night? Just, you know, Thursday night is like our weekend. Can we go out on Thursday night and just pray for people? I love it so much. And I'm like, oh, no. And I actually had to be really honest with her one day. I'm like, I have to tell you, I really don't like it. I really don't. That was really freedom when I could admit that as, the lead, as one of the leaders. I was like, I really don't like praying for people out and about. <laughs> she's like, okay, okay. Um, and so I just, I was asking God, you know, Lord, wherever there's fear in me, you know, it says the perfect love casts out fear, right? So, uh, I was like, okay, let's do this love thing, you know, cause I need this to go. I don't want to be paralyzed by fear. I don't want, and what's the worst that can happen in Kuwait? Even the worst that can happen is someone goes, oh, you're weird. That's it. That's it for me as an American. And maybe, maybe someone would say, you're weird, like here, right? Maybe. I, I got some weird looks this week when I, try, when I was doing it this week. But what happened was, that's the worst. Sometimes I go through these scenarios with the Lord. I'm like, okay, Lord, what's the worst? Why do I do this? Why am I afraid? And I, I walk through it. I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm actually afraid of a dirty look. It's really weird, right? But when you're in the moment, it feels so, ah, so scary. So anyway, bit by bit, I started, you know, kind of liking. I prayed I wanted to love it because, anyway, I just started praying I would love it. I started liking it more, so there's progress. 
Um, and then in the fall, um, after I had this encounter with God's love and, and just this, yeah, all of a sudden, uh, I turned into like a crazy person. Like when I go out, I'm like, I have to pray for people. Oh my goodness, Steve, can we go out? We have to go out now. I have to pray for somebody. Like I would feel this compelled by love. Um, it was the most amazing. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's so much better than the other way, I have to say. Um, you know, where you're just kind of in obedience. In obedience, I, I did it for like 13 years in obedience, you know, and yet, and then all of a sudden, bam, in the fall, it's just this, and I'm not saying I'm not afraid of every situation. There are that I'm still like a little nervous wheelchairs in the mall, you know, that's kind of still uncomfortable, but I'm like, wow, if he can do this much already with, with this, then he could do something with a wheelchair, right? Like, I don't want to be afraid of anything because if perfect love casts out fear and I'm abiding in his love, then I, there's no room for fear. So that is an amazing miracle that God has done. As I experienced his love, it wasn't just for me and Jesus. And now I'm just, hey, um, I'm good with me and Jesus, but <laughs> the rest of the world, no. It's not like that. It can't be. If you're experiencing God's love, it's going to it's gonna come out. He can't help himself. He can't help himself, right? He's compelled to love. His love is like this, always. So if there's a lie in you that says, oh, well, I'm really good with Jesus. Like, I love him. He loves me. But yet you have no heart for people. You don't want to pray for anybody. You don't want to disciple anybody. You don't want to, then something's not right. Just go do business with God and say, Lord, I want that abiding in my, you know, he says, abide in my love and you will bear fruit. Like you will, you will, there will be fruit coming out. There will be this love, this, this freedom, this excitement, you know, to, to go and share the gospel, to, you know, to pray for people. So I just encourage you you know, to, whoa, to stay in that, to stay in this abiding, abiding love, and then you will see the fruit. You can see why she's my favorite preacher. So um, is that picture going up? All right. So um, here's the thing. So I'm going to try to wrap this thing up and land the plane in, you know, seven to ten minutes. Um, which probably means more like 15. No, honestly, I'm really going to try. I've learned that less is more, you know? Sometimes I'll start preaching, and it's like a 15-minute intro, and I get into my notes. It's like, forget that. I'm just going to dive right in. So, all right, we got it. Okay. So, yeah, it's hard to, hard to see this picture. But anyway, this is going to illustrate. Oh, yeah, you got it here. All right. So, you know, um, Natalie's been talking about all these former Muslims that have come to Christ and the price that they pay, and, and, then, and then, you know, I can, I've got some stories I might, I might get into in the next couple of minutes just talking about some of these Christians that got driven from their homes by ISIS, and I got to meet with them, and I mean, their father was killed, and they were raped, and they were driven from their homes, and I'm just, my mind is kind of being blown by, by these people's story, and I'm just like, how in the world are they still Christians? Because in all of these cases, all they had to do to get out of the predicament was convert to Islam. Those 19 Coptic martyrs, it's why I have a cross on my wrist, that, that were slaughtered um, by those ISIS guys in Libya, and they were all in orange suits. They all could have gotten out of that predicament um, by just denying their faith in Christ, but every single one of them went to their death joyfully. They were willing to die for Jesus. 
so now we come here to North America, you know, and it's kind of become one of my pet peeves with people in my generation. They like to make fun of millennials and they have memes and stuff. And you know, millennials, they got all these problems. And, and I just say, that is the biggest bunch of crap. They might have some issues, but don't tell me millennials lack commitment. No, no, seriously, I have a message. I, I, I love it. I don't have to give every one of my sermons in the next 10 minutes because I have a podcast where I have 90 of them online. Joel 2, number 2 generation. You'd Google that, find my podcast. I have a message called What Millennials Really Want. You know what millennials want? What I see? They want something to die for. That's a no-fall zone. That's a no-fall zone right there. He's got an inflation thing. But that wave in Nazare in Portugal, if that starts to batter him around, some of you saw the wedge this last week. There's a bunch of millennials down there risking paralysis just to get slotted, just to get the biggest barrel or, or get pitched. Don't tell me millennials lack commitment. There's my, one, of my, one of my daughter's personal trainers is here. Her and her sister, they, they train people. They're like... They're like, missed, they're like, their sisters are twins, they're here, and they're like, like, you know, point whatever percent body fat fitness trainers, and they, they torture people every day, and themselves, because people want something to live for, and I think my generation ripped off your generation, if you're of the generation I'm kind of picking, picking on a little bit, because we watered down the gospel. We tried to do the whole seeker-sensitive thing, and let's water it down, and, and let's make Jesus like vitamin water or like a supplement. Like he's going to, you know, if you ask Jesus into your life, he has a wonderful plan for your life. That was not on the original sign-up sheet, the wonderful plan for your life. No, 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 no. What it was? It was you come and die, and you will live forever. And this life's going to kick butt. This life will kick butt in Jesus but we're going to live forever. You see, none of this stuff makes sense. You know, it was Mark Fu. He died. He's my generation. He was a big wave surfer. And he, like, prophesied. It, 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 it was in the flesh, but, but I'm going to take it for the kingdom. He says, you cannot experience the ultimate thrill if you're not willing to pay the ultimate price. And he died at Mavericks, you know. He was willing for his hobby to give everything. I think that we live in a generation, when I look at the sexual perversion that people are giving themselves to, when I look at the occultism, when I look at what people are willing to sacrifice everything for, and then the church comes along and says, Jesus is a nice supplement to your life. No, no, no. Jesus is everything. We need to stop trying to coax people into the kingdom and start telling them things on the street like, you're not ready. This is going to cost you too much. I'm sorry. What? No, I mean, we have so lowered the bar. It's like, oh, you know, we, we do the rich young ruler story. Jesus did not turn around and say, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say everything? I meant not. He didn't start negotiating with the rich young ruler. He didn't even go to the tithe message. Just 10%. That's all I require. Gross or net. No, he didn't do any of that. Jesus let him walk away. And I'll tell you, so don't let anybody tell you that millennials lack commitment or are fearful or something like that, because that tells me right there, 
I was backing out of 10-foot waves last week. I was freaking out going, I'm not going to drop. I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, if I drop in, there could be some consequences here. So I stayed in the six to eight-foot range, you know. But there were millennial guys who were like, get out of my way, old man, and just charging. And I'm going, looking at them going, they need to hear about Jesus, who they can give their life for some reason for, rather than just to get the next, you know, guy on shore filming it, you know. I tell you right now, there's something within us. We want something to die for. We want something to give our lives for. And that's what Jesus was all about. He came out of eternity. For five minutes, he came to the planet, or millisecond, and he died to tell us that we'd live forever. The only way that we can give that kind of cost, that we can give him that kind of devotion, if we realize what Jesus' brother said in James chapter four, where he said, this life is but a vapor. I understand why my, my, these former Muslims and why these Christians that gave up their lives, why they were willing to do it. Because they realized that this life is but a vapor. The Genesis 1-1 God came to the planet, was tortured and killed by his creation because he knew that this life is but a vapor. Now, we're all into healing. Last service, people got healed in here, and some people didn't. And some people got set free from addictions, and some people maybe didn't. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have lost all sorts of things. Let's just fast forward the movie four billion years from now, and let's see if any of us are going to be thinking things like, well... I'm still offended at God because in that millisecond called hell on earth that we lived in, I didn't get healed and you did. Do you know how stupid? Five seconds in the presence of Jesus and we're never going to say, yeah, but he didn't get healed of cancer, but he did. Jesus was trying to get us to get a glimpse of eternity I'm all into healing. I believe that Jesus came to show the will of the Father. But guess what? Some people don't get healed. But in the eternal perspective, it does not matter. I got a buddy right now, my age, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And I'm praying for his healing. But I told him, I said, Steve, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this video with him, this link. He just loves it when I share the message where I illustrate his story. I said, Steve, he's the thing that bums him out the most is that he leaves, he's leaving a nine and an 11 year old on the planet. And without a miracle, he's done. I mean, Lou Gehrig's disease is a death sentence and we're believing for breakthrough. And if you know of testimonies, let's send them to him. But the fact of the matter is he might get healed and he might not. I don't know the outcome, but I'll tell you what, in four billion years, Steve and I are not going to be sitting there talking about this life on earth, and he's going to be like, I'm so bummed that I had to check out of the planet 30 years before you did and got in the presence of the Trinity and the angels and everything else. I'm going to be ripped off. I'm going to be the one going, I got ripped off. I wish I would have gotten ALS. I wish I would have checked out early. You see, that's what Jesus was trying to communicate when he says, give me everything. So I, I just want to, I just want to, if you are not awake right now, I hope I've wakened you. I want you to leave, leave this place and think differently about the people you meet because they are going after evil with such passion. They are going after perversion, the stuff that we're hearing about, the stuff in our culture. We are living in days where it's, and it's going to get worse. 
The way I read my Bible, it's going to get worse, and there's going to be more glory on us. There's going to be greater freedom and greater bondage. But the, oh, please pick up the kids, or we will give them coffee. I love that. (laughs) I do not need any more coffee. So just to root this in the scriptures, I just got one verse that we're going to land this plane with. Hebrews 12.3, because I think at the end of the whole passage, Hebrews 10, 11, and 12, this is what the apostle says. He says, therefore, in light of all of these people who have been martyred, in light of all of those Coptic guys, why I have a cross. You know, when I'm there at Starbucks and they mess up my order and I look down at this cross and I'm thinking, am I going to give in to the flesh and tell this woman off for screwing up my order? Or am I going to think about 19 Coptic martyrs that were beheaded for Jesus? Thank you very much. No problem, ma'am. This changes things. I, I wear a cross to remind me, you know, that when I'm feeling tempted to give in to whatever, my anger, my lust, my whatever, fill in the blank, and then I say, in light of who? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 19 Coptic martyrs are looking at me going, will he stand? Will he endure? Do you get it, guys? We have, we, have, we have heard a gospel that's not fully caffeinated, some of us in North America. And I'm not saying I know it, but when I see people that are willing at 19 years old to be beheaded for their faith, I realize there's a gospel out there that is powerful. Powerful. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and this leads us into our ministry time, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Come on, guys. We could write books on what hinders us. i just go around the room. So give me your top 10. Oh, do I have to limit it to 10? I'm hindered by dozens of things. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders, and just in case... We're not clear. And the sin that so easily entangles. Some of us have a PhD in how to sin. You know? Hopefully that that, that PhD is inactive at this point and we're moving forward. But the point is, is that some of you guys can sin with the best of them. I'm I'm not naive. There's sin last night. I mean, I was thinking about, we're preaching and I was just thinking how much sin happens in this place the night before you guys actually turn it into a sin free zone. It's awesome. It's just so awesome. I was wondering during worship, do people actually come in here just, you know, and and wanting to just enter into immorality and and debauchery and literally feel conviction and walk out? It's like, I just can't be in here. I'm thinking that this happens. Like, could we find a testimony page of people that walked into the mansion nightclub on Saturday night and just was, you know, was in here to get some action and all that I'm in? Just, just go with that. You don't, don't sin in your mind, but just go with my illustration. And they walked out just like, oh, I feel disgusted. I feel evil. And then they get saved the next day or they get reconnected to their roots. Because light always overcomes darkness, you know? Light will always, you don't open up the dark room and the light room and the dark overtakes the light. No, it doesn't happen. It's the other way. By definition, light overpowers darkness. But anyway, so let us throw these things off and let us run with endurance the race marked out for us. 
I don't care what you're facing today. My wife got into this. It doesn't matter what your issues are. It doesn't matter that your issues have issues. It doesn't matter what you're facing. The reality is, is that the God who said, let there be light, and there was, that God is at work in your life. And if people can literally do that kind of stuff in his name, literally, what's our excuse? This is called, let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. I want to get saved again. I want to sign up again. So if we come, and I know, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray a prayer that whether, some of you are like, I wish you'd stop. I'm feeling something I don't like. I want to get out of here. That's conviction. God's got you in a tractor beam. Resist him. No, don't resist him. He has a million ways to get you. He's getting you. He's calling you right now. You don't have to. And if you get so into that tractor beam that you have to come forward for some extra prayer with the ministry team, we'll pray and prophesy over people. Because some of you, you know, some of you, you're, 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 you're stuck. And God wants to get you unstuck. But I want you to walk out of here today. And I, I don't want you to think about some bald guy that says he was from Orange County and was probably riding three to four foot waves, but exaggerated and said they were four to six. You know, the older I get, the greater I was, right? You know, that shirt, I love it, you know. Remember that day? It's just like, you know, but actually exaggeration is a lie and liars will not inherit the kingdom. So we need to stop lying. They were six to eight foot. I mean, I'm not lying. <laughs> um, I didn't go in at Balboa Pier, though. I haired out there. I went somewhere else. So I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Anyway, so the, the, point, the point I'm trying to make is I want you to walk out of here today, and I want you to remember 19 Coptic martyrs. I want you to remember former Muslims. I want you to remember Iraqi Christians that gave everything for Jesus, and therefore you can run the race with endurance as you consider the great cloud of witnesses I mean, we're not going to get up there, oh my goodness, yeah, you know, my, my husband, he um, cheated on me, and um, my kids, and, and we're going to, can you imagine walking around with a Coptic martyr who's carrying his head, you know, he's walking with his head under his arm, as, you're, as we're telling him about, you know, when I was in traffic, I lived in Orange County, I mean, it was terrible, you know, and I didn't have enough money to take the five-star vacations. We had to camp. Can you imagine how embarrassing that is? We had, to, we had to camp. We couldn't afford, you know, we had to eat it like, you know, use two for one. And the guy's looking at you like, what are you smoking? What Christianity did you sign up for? Because when I read the book, Jesus said, you'll be, you'll be hated, you'll be killed, you'll be imprisoned. That, that was on the original sign-up sheet. I... I I know some of you are millennials. I think you want something to die for. Give your life to this man, the burning man, Jesus. Give your life to him. And I'll tell you right now, I don't care what your sin is. I don't care what your issues are. More of him means you are free. The son will set you free. It's a promise. Let me pray and I'll just shut up now. I, I, did, I did go longer than I thought I would. I might have yelled. I try not to yell. My wife always tells me you're yelling. People think you're angry. Could I do this as a father, just warning you, don't enter into the vomit I lived in for years, you know? Anyway, Father, I thank you that 
seed and, and ha, has gone out, I pray that in every case, not just in most cases, but in every case, it would land in the good soil, that the enemy wouldn't be able to distract us, that we wouldn't care what lunch is coming up or what's coming in on our phones, that, Lord, we would do business with you, that we would sign up again, that we would realize that you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Jesus, just one more shout. Why don't you stand up with me right now? Can we give one last, just there's something about shouting for the Lord in unity. It just, it just kind of stirs me up. So if, just do it for me right now. Uh, Father, we just stir your heart up right now, Jesus. Just give him thanks for today, for the message that's been planted, the seeds in your heart. Come on, Jesus. We thank you, God. And thank you what you're doing in this church, in this whole region, God. I thank you, Lord, that we're not the only ones. Yeah, Father, we thank you for, for all of Orange County would be captivated by you. And that we would, uh, we would leave behind everything else. Man, amen, amen. Can we get the prayer team up right now? Um, we've got... Uh, um, a number of great stuff coming up. You can check our events page. It's mostly up to date. Um, we have our prayer team here. If you still need prayer or healing in your body, please come up. Uh, David and Natalie said they'd be happy to pray for people. Um, at some point, I might, I might rip them away. So, um, but they, they're just, they're amazing. They're here for, they're here to just to preach Jesus and be here for you guys. So, um, if you if you still want to sow into their lives. <laughs> It's a great idea. Uh, it's a great place to be generous and to sow seeds that God's given you. We have, if you want cash or a check, you can still do it up here. It'll be right, right here. Just make your checks uh, out to us, but put speaker on the side. Amen? Um, and then if cash is great, lots of cash right here. Uh, and if you still want to give the electronics, just go 84321 and then $1,000 space speaker and it'll get to them. So I love you guys. You guys are incredibly generous. Every time we have a speaker here, I just feel like the way you guys honor people um, with just finances is powerful because it's, they've given their lives to this. And so it's just, it's, it's an honor to have them here. Let me pray. Father, thanks for this incredible week. Father, may we never be the same again. And may this week have fruit of this message, of these messages, God, that we heard this morning. May it just, your, your, your love just pour out of us with fruit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church. 